get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Baby. What up, what up, what up, guys? Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know what's going on. My computer's doing a little bit of a laggy start there. But, hey, I'm back here. Let's go ahead and bring on my man, Chris Catchy. Hey, what's going on, Mitch? How are we doing today? Hey, another day, man. Enjoying the day. I, I, I got to look a little bit more like the Spax attack. Let's change it up here. Let's, let's Boom, baby. Boom, baby. Now we're looking like we're on SPAC's attack. There you go. And Chris and I are looking like we're teammates here joining in, breaking down the industry. Chris, I know you probably got some headlines for us. We got a great interview. Like always, another action-packed, jam-packed show. We're going to talk a little bit about the watch list as we get in towards later. But definitely some movers out there, so keep it on watch. Um, we'll definitely talk about it. But first things first, take us behind the curtains, Chris. And- All right. Yeah, lots going on out there. We did have a deal announcement. We've got some big movers. So let's dive in. Up first, one of our movers. We have shares of Virgin Galactic trading down SPCE. So Bank of America issuing a double downgrade from buy to underperform. Uh, A price target of $41 remains unchanged. So the the note essentially calling out the company for, for valuation saying lots of risk remain. And despite getting that FAA certification, you, you know, the, the shares have rallied too much. So this, this isn't a big surprise, right? We saw shares, you know, uh, trade higher on that FAA certification. And one of the things I said was that I expected shares to, you know, drop over the next couple trading days. But we do have more catalyst ahead, right? We have the potential uh, of them trying to beat uh, Blue Origin to space. And we also have three additional flights happening later this year that the company will announce soon. So I'm a little surprised by the double downgrade just because the the FAA certification was a big positive for the company. Um, you know, evaluation concerns possible, but you know, the the rest of the thesis remains intact and not a lot has changed. If anything, the outlook has actually gotten better for SPCE. Um, and, and then our big mover out there, also in the space sector, we have ASTS. So AST uh, Space Mobile shares Deutsche Bank initiating with a buy rating and a $35 price target. This is a big mover, right? We've got shares up 34% to $13. Um, that $13 is still significantly under that $35 price target. So some notes from the analyst. You know, calling the the picture for AST a attractive risk reward with a wide range of outcomes. So again, the, the, there is still risk for this 5G player from space. That price target of $35 is actually based on four model scenarios that the analyst ran. 
So under those four model scenarios, they came up with price targets of $0 all the way to $86. So 35, essentially the average of the four price targets. So as I said, you know, there's a potential of $0 from this analyst and a potential of $86. So breaking down, you know, they see competitive advantages for the company. And if ASTS can hit its EBITDA targets of $1 billion by 2024, uh, you know, 620 million customers by 2030, you, you know, the analyst just favors this one incredibly, uh, you know, positive going forward. ASTS going to bring broadband to unconnected parts of the world one of the main notes uh, from the analyst was talking about the wholesale business. So AST partners with mobile operators. So that includes Vodafone, AT&T, and Telefonica under a 50-50 revenue share model. So that's going to provide very high margins um, for AST. And those partnerships also have the potential to reach 1.3 billion paying customers um, you know, for, for some of those mobile operators. So phase one for the company is already fully funded. Um, Vodafone and American Tower participating in the pipe. And of course, the SPAC deal providing uh, financing. There is some concern, though, that phase two from 2023 to 2024, when we see the satellites actually launching, that AST could need some financing for that. You, you know, so again, there, there's some concerns, but I mean, that $35 price target and that potential scenario of $86, I, I think is why shares are just absolutely rocketing today. And, and then this was also one that was mentioned on Reddit, right? The 5G from space, um, you know, so I think it could see further momentum this week. We have FSR Fisker, um, Henrik Fisker announcing on Twitter that the company has passed 17,000 reservations for the Fisker Ocean, their electric uh, vehicle. Um, Fisker's been you know, known to do that, to share some of those milestones. So not a big surprise here. They have been ramping up um, you know, some of their advertising and, and then getting some decent uh, reservation numbers. We had two mergers approved yesterday. FCAC, that merger with ShareCare, will trade as SHCR. And then also CLII, the merger approved with EVGO. Shares will trade as EVGO. Both of those expected, I believe, on Friday of this week to change over. We talked recently about uh, Chamath Palihaptia launching four new biotech uh, SPACs. It, it sounds like those have priced and will begin trading. Um, so that is tickers DNAA, DNAB, DNAC, and DNAD each of them raising $220 million um, and, and include no warrants. Um, you know, so this is just going to be the units, um, you know, each one covering a, a different segment. And then also, if you are a retail trader on SoFi, I, I believe you will have access to these early to put in allocation requests. If anyone out there has a SoFi account, go ahead, let me know in the chat if you are able to, um, you know, see these IPOs and possibly get an allocation, uh, you know, with these pricings, I, I just got to believe IPOD and IPOF are close to announcing a deal. Um, again, you know, that's just based on the fact that otherwise he's going to have six backs out there looking for targets. And, and I think there would be some concern at that point that, you know, it, he's not going to find some good deals. So I think IPOD, IPOF getting closer. Uh, uh, one of the SPACs to watch, I've been calling out for a while, Proterra, PTRA, 
the electric bus company. So um, I saw on Twitter yesterday, uh, the, the press secretary for Joe Biden uh, told some reporters on the plane um, that some of the buses are being manufactured by Proterra, whose Greenville, South Carolina facility the president visited back in April. Uh, again, there hasn't been a huge announcement yet, but I have to believe um, you, you know that that Proterra is, is going to get some deals. Um, also, uh, you know the infrastructure bill allocated a bunch of money to that, and I just think Proterra, you know, is going to win big from this when that announcement comes. One of our other big movers, we have SRAC uh, Momentous, as Mitch, uh, you know, talked about at the start of the show. Uh, shares rising on a valuation cut. So yesterday, there was a filing that showed that the Momentous SPAC deal lowered the valuation from $1.13 billion to $566 million. Um, they also extended the merger vote date to August 13th. Um, you know, so this is a, a company, again, high expectations called the FedEx of Space, last mile delivery, um, revenue, you know, projections, huge backlog. But there's been some concerns, um, you know, uh, due to a SpaceX partnership, um, you know, facing some concerns. Also, the resignation of the CEO over foreign control concerns from the government. So this one has taken a while um, to go through. And now we get the valuation cut, but shares moving higher in uh, reaction to that. And then some other big movers yesterday. So HOL up 16%, um, RSVA up 8%, and SRAC up 5%. Both of our deals announced yesterday, TREB and FSII, both also up 1%. Then we turn to our deal announced this morning. This one was rumored by Bloomberg, um, you know, not too long ago. This is Inspirito, a luxury travel subscription company going public, ticker TVAC. Uh, public shareholders will own 13% of the company valued at $1.1 billion in the deal. So Inspirito offers subscription-based plans um, for its customers, launched this model in 2011, it includes 385 exclusively managed branded luxury vacation homes and over 500 five-star hotel partners. So those subscription plans include a pass plan that is $2,500 to enroll and $2,500 monthly, and then customers get unlimited um, you know, options throughout the month at those uh, partnered and owned locations. Then they also have a club subscription plan, which is a pay-as-you-go model, $600 to enroll, $600 a month. Um, you get certain rates and member perks, but again, not unlimited for that pay-as-you-go model. Uh, the big things here, again, you know, luxury travel market, $135 billion. Uh, they expect it to grow to $230 billion. Also discussions of pent-up travel demand, the ability to work remotely, um, playing into their favor. They did see a huge uptick in the first quarter, 50,180 nights booked. That's compared to 32,351 in the prior year's first quarter and 45,532 in the fourth quarter of the last fiscal year. Fourth quarter, typically their strongest quarter. So revenue of $165 million in 2020. That's down from 2019, but they see that huge rebound coming. 
revenue of 221 million expected this fiscal year and 366 million in 2022. Um, that the subscription-based revenue provides highly visible projections. Uh, annual recurring revenue expected to exceed 200 million by the fourth quarter of next year. Over 12,500 subscribers. They've seen subscribers grow at an annual rate of 29% from 2012 to 2019, and they project 17% average annual growth from 21 to 25. They know in their presentation that based on their higher subscription price, it takes fewer subscribers for them to scale. So they need only 3,300 subscribers to hit $100 million in additional annual recurring revenue. Um, so this is a, a big one, uh, you know, travel, it's a reopening play, but again, it's targeting the luxury market and, you know, $2,500 or $600 a, a month targets a very select audience. So this one up 1%, not moving huge, um, but keep an eye out on this one as a reopening trade. That's what I've got, Mitch, for headlines, you know, and again, space stocks are, are taking off. We saw HOL move yesterday. SRIC, which we called out on the show moving, you know, ASTS getting some love. And, you know, I would continue to look at some of these space backs because I just think the the interest is definitely there. Definitely, definitely. It's it's definitely there. And we'll, we'll, we'll take a look here. Um, one of the things that I've been watching is definitely, you know, look how the space kind of reacts. I think this is really, I've, I've talked about this. This is generational, guys. This is a new wave of a space race that we're really getting into. And with that being said, we're going to be paying attention to how we really develop in this what is it? I look for satellite companies, but some people are looking for different kind of space travel companies. Uh, we've been talking about SPCE. We talked about SRAC today, ASTS, really making a big rip. I'm going to be looking to see if some of these continue to move. I think some of that space mobile trade had to do with kind of that Elon Musk look. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll bring Chris back on here. W what do you think? Do you think that ASTS had something to do with, um, you know, the, the the talk of you know Elon taking um, what what do they call it? Uh, yeah. So Starlink. Starlink, Starlink just Starlink passed. Mobile. They just passed a milestone for satellites. He's got big plans. So you know, yeah. ASTS. They they have some competition. But that note from from Deutsche Bank today. I mean, Mitch the. The four scenarios, zero dollars to eighty-six dollars. I mean, talk about your risk reward where the analyst flat out says, Hey, this thing could go down to zero, or hey, if they hit all their points here, this thing could go to eighty-six dollars. And I mean, it was trading at you know uh, around that ten dollar level several times throughout the year. But the, these other space ones, yeah. Someone mentioning in the chat, one of my favorites, GNPK. That's, you know, the uh, space infrastructure play, um, you know, almost like a mini space ETF. That one's still trading under 11. I think it's 1030. That would be one I would look at. VACQ with Rocket Lab, um, you know, crossed $11 today again, up 2.5%. Um, I haven't looked what's SFPW. Uh, that's actually at $10. I mean, that looks attractive too, right? The, the satellite play there. Um, NSH, another one, um, you know, under $10. So there's a couple options out here of ones that haven't moved. The, the other thing, Mitch, we talked about with ASTS was it actually got added to the UFO ETF, the, the Space Peer Play ETF. 
So they needed to accumulate, you know, a large number of shares. And I talked to Andrew, the, the manager of that ETF, not too long ago. Um, and, and one of the things he said was they will not add SPACs to the ETF until they've completed their, their de-SPACing. So as some of these companies de-SPAC, the next allocation, I, I think you're going to see them get added to this space ETF because they're pure plays in the industry. Definitely, definitely stick around for those guys. We got a lot to keep on watch. Um, like always, Chris and I will definitely keep on watch. Right as you guys see down below, we're definitely about to get into our interview where we go ahead and unlock some SPACs and get into in depth so that you guys can find out a story that you probably never heard of. And so this is exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to unlock this SPAC. So, Chris, let's go ahead and get to everybody's favorite time when we unlock those SPACs. All right, perfect. Yeah, Mitch and I get to talk about one of our favorite segments to talk about online sports betting and online casino. Joining us on the show today, we have Martin Werner. He's the co-founding partner of DT DD3 Acquisition Corp. That ticker is DDMX. Company recently announced a SPAC merger with Codare Online which will be the first publicly listed online gaming operator in Latin America. Welcome to SPACs Attack, Martin. Yeah. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mitch. Happy to be with you guys. Definitely, definitely happy to have you on here. Good to have some Latin in here. Uh, I actually have Venezuelan background, so it's good to have you, Martin. I'm, I'm happy to have you on. Interested in hearing more about the company. I'm going to let Chris go first, and then I'll jump in with some of my own questions. Great. All right, so let's dive in. So before we jump into to DDMX and Codare here, Martin, I'm wondering if you can give our viewers a, a, a brief, uh, you know, background on yourself in the financial industry. Sure, happy to do so. Well, uh, DD3 was founded five years ago. My partner and I, we both used to work at Goldman Sachs in their Mexico office, and we wanted to do something much more entrepreneurial. So we set up DD3 where we have a, a bunch of great funds, we, we do some M&A practice and, you know, starting three years ago, we started doing SPACs. In fact, our first PAC it was launched in 2018. Uh, we merged DD3-1 with Betterware, which is a Mexican direct selling company that has performed extremely well. And we launched our second SPAC, the ones that we just announced the transaction last week uh, in December of last year. So we were very happy to be able to, to close it, to announce it, the sign of the BCA last week. So, so, so at DD3, we have a small team of around 20 professionals. We, as I said, we have some great fans. We have, you know, our M&A practice and now, you know, the, the SPAC product, which is very important for us. Perfect. So, you know, we're, we're going to dive into the specifics on Codera Online throughout this interview. But, you know, uh, DDMX had its opportunity to acquire, you know, uh, numerous companies. Give us the key points. What really stood out um, for Coder Online to get this SPAC merger completed? I mean, our investment philosophy since SPAC number one, Chris, has been asset light, high growth. That's what I think investors want to see in countries from Latin America. And that's what works in NASDAQ. So uh, we, we look at a, a, a number of companies, of course. Uh, but when we had the opportunity to, to, to merge with Coder Online, we thought that it was the, the perfect fit because it's asset light, it's high growth. It's a sector that is just starting to grow and it's in its first innings in Latin America. 
We had the brand of a global operator with a lot of knowledge, a fantastic management team. So we thought that it had all the ingredients to work in NASDAQ and, and it was pretty aligned with our philosophy. And also Mexico, which is our base country, was a big part of the business. So, so we clicked all the boxes. Awesome. So, you know, many of our viewers here are familiar with, you know, the online sports betting and, and gaming opportunity in the U.S. And we recently had, you know, Canada approve, but we're not as familiar with some of these other territories. So Coder Online operates in six core markets, Spain, Italy, Mexico, Colombia, Panama and Buenos Aires. Give us, uh, you know, some of the, the keys here for those markets, um, you know, and also uh, some talk about market share, which I see laid out in the presentation here for those territories. Yes. So, uh, first of all, we, we only operate in regulated markets and we have a license in each of these markets. So, 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 so we are a regulated business. We have a license in each of the markets we operate. In Spain, we have been operating for a number of years. We have a significant uh, market share. In, in, in Latin America, we are like the second player in Mexico where with a lot of room to grow in the Mexican market, which is you know, pretty large. Mexico has a population of 130 million people. And you know, as you know, soccer sports are super popular. Online betting is just really kicking off in its first innings, as I said before. In Colombia and in Panama, we have an incipient operation. Those are markets where we face very limited competition. So there's a lot of room to growth. And in the city of Buenos Aires, which is, as you know, a very, very large city in Argentina, we're just, you know, uh, getting our license. So we expect to launch in the next few months. And we're very excited about the opportunity there. That's also, you know, a, a city, you know, a, a, a country where Codere has a lot of physical presence. And we lever on this omni-channel strategy because having the physical presence, even though we're only merging with the online business, the fact that you have synergies with, with the omni-channel is very, very important. They have more than 3 million clients all over the world that we can tap into. And then when people, if they face any issues on the online, they can always go to the physical casino you know, for, for, for anything. And, and we cross-sell between both the online and the physical casino. So I know one of the areas where I had heard of Codere before is through a partnership with Real Madrid, you know, one of the most popular soccer teams in the world. Um, so Codere has reached, you know, some marketing agreements, including that one with Real Madrid. Can, can you give us, you know, an explanation on why partnering with Real Madrid and some of the other sponsorships that Codere Online has? I mean, for the sport betting side, really being associated with these fantastic clubs uh, adds a lot of value. So it creates, you know, branding. People realize the importance of the brand. You know, so the Real Madrid partnership is crucial. In Spain right now, the, the marketing for online gaming locally is going to be prohibited. So we're only going to partner with Real Madrid for Latin America. But in Latin America, everybody watches Real Madrid games every weekend and in the Champions Leagues, you know, on Wednesdays or Tuesdays during the week. So, so I think it's a, a very strong partnership. And on top of that, we are, you know, signing some very important partnerships with local teams. We have a Monterrey in Mexico, which is a very important club from the north of the country. We are very close to signing with a very big club in Argentina now that we're launching in the city of Buenos Aires. So, so these kind of partnerships are a big part of our branding and our marketing push. But we also invest a lot directly in, in, in customers through our customer relationship management systems. And we're very focused on trying to attract, you know, the, the players that have the best fit for our kind of product. Awesome. So one of the things you said was, you know, only operating in regulated markets. 
in that presentation, we do have some potential countries, you know, for, for future expansion. So Brazil, Chile, Peru, Puerto Rico, Uruguay, and the rest of Argentina. You know, here in the U.S., we, we regulate on a state-by-state -state basis. Can you walk us through, you know, maybe the timeline uh, of some of these countries getting approved? You, you know, is it pretty certain at this point that those countries will regulate Will Coderre be launching, you know, right away in those territories? And what's the kind of game plan here for those additional countries? Excellent question, Chris. First of all, let me highlight that our growth projections in the presentation that you are, everybody's watching right now are only based in the markets where we're already in. And just with those markets, we are seeing a 30% growth in the next three years. If any of the other markets opens up, which is very, very likely, our growth will be north of 50%. I will tell you that the opening up of these markets, and in Latin America, as opposed to the US, in many countries is at the federal level, although in the case of Argentina is more local, but the rest are federal. It's a very similar process like the one you see in the States in the US, like even though maybe the, the, the Congress already approved the legislation, you need the secondary rules to come out. And these processes usually take longer than you think, but given the tax revenue opportunity for governments, just as in the US States, this thing is moving forward. We think Brazil is very likely to be the next country to open up. And we think that we should be work, you know, very close to having a license there by the end of next year. That's a huge opportunity. We're also looking at Chile, Peru, Uruguay, and, and Puerto Rico. So, so, so we definitely think that in the next two years, at least one or two of these geographies will, op will open up. And that's, let's say, the, the next phase of, of, of the growth strategy. And then we have a third leg of the strategy, Chris, which is also very important, which is the U.S. Hispanic market. Because, you know, we have more than 10 million Mexicans living in the U.S. And they also watch our local soccer. So they want to bet. They want to, you know, participate. And, and I think that we have also casino offerings that are tailored for the Hispanic population. So we're really looking very seriously at, at, at that expansion, too. Yeah, you already hit on my next question. You know, that was one of the things that got me excited about this presentation, you know, knowing the U.S. market so well for online sports betting and uh, casino. So going to target the, the 60 million, uh, you know, Hispanics in the U.S., can you just talk a little bit, will that be done, you know, through the Coderre brand? Is there, you know, a plan to partner with a U.S. operator and, and maybe the timeline of when we could see Coderre really, you know, uh, growing in the U.S. market? I mean, we, we, we think that it's likely that that will happen probably uh, in a year and a half, two years. We first want to focus on the Latin American countries where we're already very close to getting licenses. But after that, we will definitely look at the U.S. market for the Hispanic population. And I think that we're looking at all options. I mean, we're not, we could partner with an existing operator. We could partner with a media company and get a license. So all options are on the table. And right now, you know, we know we want to be there. I mean, it's not the immediate focus of the company, but medium term, we definitely want to do it. And we're going to see, depending on the type of partners that, that we end up working with, which strategy we will follow. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned a little bit with the financial projections. So we have 108 million for fiscal 2021, uh, you know, growth rate of 34 percent from 2020 to 2023. So that uh, those numbers you said are all based on existing markets. It looks like Spain and Mexico, you know, make up the, the large portion how important is it, you know, to add these new markets and maybe diversify, you know, revenue from, from additional territories and not be so dependent on, you know, one or two countries here? 
I think it's crucial. I think that Spain is a more mature market. Online gaming in Spain started in you know, 2014 for us. So as, as more, most of European markets in, in, in that region, the gaming industry is more settled and more mature. So the growth rates are slightly lower, but they're really big markets. And, and we have a very good market share in Spain. I will tell you that in Latin America, there's a lot of growth in the, in the, in the industry. So even though Mexico today is very important, it will continue to be very important because we have a lot of room to growth. Our next competitor has close to 80% market share and we're dying to eat into that. And then, you know, Argentina is a huge country. There are soccer fanatics there. So we, we think that that could be a, an excellent market for us, not only the city of Buenos Aires, which is where we already have a permit, but we, want, I, we think we're going to get a permit for the province of Buenos Aires, which is like greater New York. So it's huge in Argentina, all the outside of the city, where we have a lot of physical presence with casinos. And then, of course, Brazil is a huge opportunity. So, so, so we think that, you know, when you look at our like regional pie in five years, you still see, you know, Spain and Mexico being important, but maybe 40% of the business or close to 50 could be coming from new geographies, some where we already are and some that are going to open up. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned competition a little bit there. Uh, um, you know, so it looks like mostly, you know, some of these European companies are, are the main competitors in those markets. Um, you know, can you just talk a little bit about who you may see as your biggest competitors and how you plan on, uh, you know, taking market share from them in some of these territories? Well, uh, it's, it's, I mean, as, as in any business, there is competition, but it's much less so than what you see today in the U.S., no? So in that sense, it's a limited competition environment. We have a big local player that we compete with in Mexico. We have a few others in other geographies. But, but I think that our, our key you know, strategy is really the quality of the product, both on the sports betting side and the casino experience, the quality of our technology. The tech team is based in Israel. It has more than 20 years of experience in the industry. And also the way we manage our clients. The customer relation management is key in this industry, and we have some of the best people doing that. So we feel really confident that the combination of the quality of the team, the strength of the product, the strength of the brand, the omni-channel strategy, can really deliver the growth and the profitability. Awesome. And then one more question from me before I turn it over to Mitch with some questions. Um, you know, obviously with the SPAC merger, you know, there, there's going to be some money put into Codere. Is there plans for, you know, mergers and acquisitions or is the, the financing here and the, the SPAC deal really all about, you know, just growing the, those current territories and maybe some of the other territories that will be coming uh, you know, rather than maybe growing through acquisition? I think that the, the short-term focus, Chris, is really organic growth and new territories. I think that we have a lot of room to grow right now. And I think that, you know, once we, with the resources that we'll get from the despacking, I think that the company will be more than ready to compete aggressively in these markets and also to have the capital to enter some of the new markets. So we really want to dominate Latin America in online gaming, and that's really the focus. So quality of the product, the technology, and the marketing effort. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here now. Some of the things that I want to talk about is going to be mainly towards, uh, first, let's go into some benchmarking, and then I'll go into more of technology. I, I, I'm a sports better myself, so I'll definitely get into some of that. 
Uh, let's let's have some fun. Let's talk a little bit about some comparable company benchmarking here. So on slide nine here on the presentation, and I'll definitely put it up in the chat for you guys to follow along also. So slide nine really shows that the, the evaluation here trading at the company valuation at 2.3 times the estimated revenue here at 2022. When you look at some other competitors, like let's say DraftKings, uh, you could look at Win Resorts, Golden Nugget here, um, on average trading about over 5.1%. So uh, definitely, how are you guys able to accomplish this kind of a discount valuation? And how does this really make it uh, attractive to the investor out there? I mean, we, we think the, the valuation is the right one. We think that there's a lot of room to grow. And I think that, you know, we always tell our partners is that we want to grow with them and we want the market to capitalize on that growth significantly. So, so, so I think that as we execute and we show the market that we can deliver the growth that we promise and hopefully more, I think that hopefully we'll see, you know, the multiples align more with the industry. But I think that it's better to kind of, go with a conservative, even with a conservative multiple, and then grow that multiple and grow the company together with investors in the market. That's the way we did it with SPAC number one. That's our philosophy. And that's the way we, we want to do it with SPAC number two. Yeah, definitely. I think there's an opportunity out there. You know, one of the things mentioned here is the adoption of online technologies in Latin America. And I think you, you're dead on about this. You know, this is something that, yes, it has caught on massively, let's say, in the United States, but is just starting to get really big in kind of Latin America and South America. And I think that you're going to see continuously trend. I mean, you can see here kind of the adoption rates really kind of picking up, especially in kind of that smartphone. Um, and I think this is really what ne is needed kind of to, to drive your business, right? And so, Martin, what are you thinking? Are you guys continuing to see these adoption rates in Latin America? I think that that's part of, the, of why the opportunity right now is so enticing, because mm -hmm. we're really... Everything is ramping up, like, you know, smartphone penetration is going from 50 to 100 percent. And at the same time, e-commerce is really booming in Latin America today. I think that Brazil and Argentina are further ahead of Mexico, but Mexico is catching up rapidly. So it's all part of this trend where you do most of your activities online and basically on your phone. And sports betting and gaming should be one of them, and it is. No, so I think that that's why the, the, I think that you know our the, the growth of this business in the next five, ten years could be ten times. No, definitely. And, and now one of the things that I use, and I use a lot of sports betting, and so a lot of the questions that I have is towards more of the customer acquisition strategy. And so, can you explain me more of how you guys approach this? in your company. One of the things that I've mentioned is like naming, uh, I don't got to go into specifics, but there's other companies that are more than willing to go a little bit further into, let's say, bonuses, giving out free money. But of course, that goes ahead and hits on that customer acquisition strategy. So explain me, how do you guys approach this in your company? I mean, I, I think that you hit on the right spot. I think this is part of you know the secret sauce of the company. The team that does this has been doing this, as I said, for more than 20 years. So, you know, we, we try to be conservative. We, we want to attract those, you know, high rollers, but we want to do it with the right bonuses and don't overextend ourselves. So, so, so that, that's what we do. We have, you know, invested a lot in the whole CRM machinery. We have, you know, a whole team that's focused on that all the time. And, you know, we monitor that very, very closely, but we try to be very conservative with the marketing effort. And, and do not go overboard because we're very, very focused on, on return on our cash. 
Definitely. Now I'll just point out to some some highlights here. So 450,000 uh, player registrations, 150 times first time depositors. These are the kind of numbers that I'm going to continue to watch as your company continues building in the next couple of years. These are really the, the kind of things that we really kind of focus on that conversion rate in the sports industry and, and the gaming industry. So you guys out there, investors, these are the kind of numbers that I definitely pay attention to. And how are you guys able to achieve kind of this did you guys just come out when did the app really first come out i mean the the, the app really started in, in spain first in 2014 so so we're okay. not in the business so this is a business been going on for a number of years so we have a lot of experience and on top of that we have the experience of the physical casinos so this is a company that's you know well established in the industry as i said before the the team the technology team that came in and the ceo who's moshe dre based in Tel Aviv, that whole tech team that came from William, from, from William Hill and having worked on other companies, you know, uh, joined the company in 2018. So they've been with us for a number of years. They, they are a big part of, of the dispacking. They, they are, they are, they're going to they're be properly intensivized with a management incentive package that's highly relevant. And we want them to be fully committed, and they are. And, and that's a team that's driving both the technology and the marketing effort. So, so, so we feel that we have the team with the experience, the knowledge. I mean, this is a company, as I said, that, you know, for this young industry, it's a very, very experienced team. All right. So I'll bring Chris back here. The, the last question I have for you is, of course, I think Chris and I will enjoy this one. So who do you got in the Euros? I mean, in the Euros, I think France lost. So they were the number one candidate. Yeah. To win. They were the best team. Mbappé missed a penalty shot. So right now, I mean, I would like the British to win because the fan base in England is so crazy and they haven't won anything. I think it's their chance to win. And yeah, I think you, you saw them. Spain, England would be the final. Yeah, you, you saw how they celebrated that, those goals yesterday. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> uh, England, definitely excited. I'm going to go with my pick. Uh, I'll say Belgium. Belgium. Wow. I'm picking Belgium. Uh, yeah, you know, Netherlands, my favorite. We got knocked out early as well. So, you know, that Italy-Belgium matchup just looks so good on paper that I, I feel like whoever wins that could just have a good shot at winning it all. But this Euro has just been amazing. Uh, you know, great talk of, of sports betting here. Martin, we do have, uh, you know, one question from the chat here from NCAL. Um, is there sports gambling mainly depend on football or soccer or do they have other sports? So, I mean, I know you guys have online sports betting, online casino. Can, can you maybe break down the different percentages and maybe some of the most popular sports to bet on in these other countries other than soccer? Yes. Well, first of all, the business is even between casino and, and online betting, which is very good because the two are very important. So we're more or less 50-50. Second issue is that depends on the country. For example, Spain and South America, they're crazy about soccer. And in Spain, there's some Formula One, which is very big. In Mexico, you know, we, we have a lot of influence from you guys. So we love American football. We like baseball. We even like basketball. So I think that football in particular is super important in Mexico. I mean, the NFL season is very, very important for us in Mexico. So Mexico is a more balanced market, even though soccer is very important. South America is very soccer focused. And Spain has soccer, plus I would say Formula One. And then the NBA is going everywhere too. So that that's, will surprise you. Definitely, awesome definitely and formula one growing in america so yeah um, you know in the long run i do think that would be a big one also to keep a watch out 
Yeah, we have a Mexican driver now doing really yeah, well. Yeah, Perez. We we need yeah. a we need a Red US Bull. driver. That's what we yeah, need. Really, really. Yeah, <laughs> the is interest definitely. is there. We had the Netflix series, you know, so viewership in the US is up for Formula One, but we still need a US driver that I think would really, you know, help with adoption of the sport. But yeah, Formula One has been very exciting this year. I know Mitch and I have been watching, we've been talking about it. Uh, you know, Martin, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. So so joining us on SPAX Attack today, Martin Werner. He's the co-founding partner, DD3 Acquisition Corp. That ticker is DDMX, company merging with Codere Online, the first publicly listed online gaming operator in Latin America. Martin, you know, as fans of sports betting, we look forward to, you know, following the progress of this company and, you know, seeing what the future has in store for, for the SPAC merger. So thanks again for uh, joining us on the show. Thank you guys for the invitation. Thank you, Martin. Have a good day. Thank you guys. Goodbye. All right, guys. There you guys have it. Another one done here. And I, I, I had a question there that came to me at the end. So, you know, that happens like usual, you know. But, Chris, I wanted to uh, – and, and maybe you, you could reach out for us, Chris, and, and find out for us this answer. Uh, I'm sure we can reach out and get this answer to our viewers. I want to find out if they're getting into maybe some esports. I saw uh, like a comment in chat about iGaming. Uh, maybe into esports. Maybe we find out about that if they're starting to dip into that and, the, you know – I mean, Europe, it's actually also very popular and Asia, very popular. So who, who knows? Maybe that's a, something that they can dip their toes into. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, I think Chris will reach out and try to get us an answer on that. Yeah, Mitch. I mean, that's a great question. I really liked that that question at the end. And, you know, NCAL talking, you know, brought up that point. You know, soccer, obviously huge in some of these markets. But, you know, to hear him say, you know, uh, Formula One, American football, you know, NBA, baseball, like the sports betting is global, right? Which is what makes one of these companies like Codere, you know, uh, so attractive, I feel like, because it's going to be a pure play uh, on some of these countries. You know, right now you have the operators where you can get exposure to certain states. Here you have Codere where you're going to have exposure to, you know, full, full countries, you know, with growing mobile usage, which I think just grows the TAM. Um, the other thing, Mitch, I thought was real interesting was, you know, the, the presentation talks about some of these, you know, countries like Brazil, you know, that will regulate in the future. None of that is priced in to the, the projections, you know, so I almost feel like it's conservative at this point, you know, to really just base the projections on the regulated territories. But there could be immediate upside, you know, as some of these other countries regulate, kind of like when, you know, U.S. states start start regulating and you see the sports betting stocks go up. What happens when, you know, Brazil announces that, that they're going to legalize? Does DDMX immediately go up? I mean, I think that's the story to watch in the future. Yeah. And like I always say, I mean, Chris, I, I don't think I've I, I don't think I've said a line more often than this line as state by states come into legal, you will see the revenues also follow. This is why I like the sports betting industry, really, guys, is because at the end of the day, yes, we can look at a TAM right now, right? And that's the opportunity market, right? But the opportunity market just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And so that's why I like it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like having a pie and then you're, you're trying to fight for that pie, right? You're trying to fight for a slice. And all of a sudden, Two months down, 
and the pie just gets bigger. So now we're just fighting for a bigger pie and a bigger pie and a bigger pie. And, and to me, I think, Chris, this is why I get excited. Things like this, 2023, California. How big could it be if California was legal? You know how many people there is there. I mean, just even in the Hispanic population in Southern California, you, you know, you could focus in there and probably even be more concentrated in Southern California. But 15.3 million people in the Hispanic community that could be possibly jumping onto this platform. And also just as a, as a case, I mean, overall, California, how much population is there? Those are the kind of things that I'm looking for in the industry. Texas, 2022, Florida, 2023. I think there's going to beat that number. Yeah, Florida think, could be earlier than that. I think for that. Sure. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen at the end of this year, I could see it happening early next year. Uh, definitely keep keep your eyes on that one. Arizona's already like kind of the, on that transition right now. I did see some of them get licensed. Some people already setting up to build on there. Illinois live, New Jersey live, Colorado live. <laughs> I, I love it. I really do. Honestly, if I was still living in Florida, I would feel left out. So, so definitely, I always have friends that talk about it. You're feeling a little bit left out because they can't do these bets. They got to look at some other kind of places, but we're not going to get into all that. But definitely, what do you think, Chris? I mean, how many states are coming in? The revenue state by state. Where are you seeing the industry overall? Yeah, you know, Mitch, I, while we're talking that that slide you had, you know, I, that was one of my my questions I really wanted to ask, right, was the 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 plan of targeting the Hispanic market in the U.S. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, he said they could go either way. But I, I got to think, you know, with so many operators already in the U.S., I think Coderre would have a good opportunity to, to partner with a U.S. operator and really try to target the Hispanic market you know, otherwise they can launch their own product here. But, you know, again, there's so many operators that I would worry a little bit about, you know, market share and it getting lost. But they do have the, you know, that partnership with Real Madrid. You know, they've got lots of soccer fans here in the U.S. So I think U.S. expansion for them, even if they only go after that Hispanic market, it is a huge growth item in the future. You know, as you showed, you know, those different states. So, you know, uh, that pie, Mitch, I remember years ago when that pie of, you know, online sports betting was, you know, a, a couple billion dollars, right? And it very was like, small, no, small. One's gonna, no one's going to bet online. None of these media companies are going to talk about sports Still betting remember. on air. And now you have betting shows on, you know, on ESPN, on Fox, on all these operators. And, and the pie just keeps growing. And that's just the U.S. And then you talk about, you know, now Canada legalizing. You've got Mexico legalized already. And you've got a company like Coderre, you know, launching in other countries. Like the global scale just keeps getting bigger. And, you know, there's room for lots of operators here, which is what makes Coderre so attractive, uh, you know, to me, especially after this interview today. I, I was impressed. Definitely something we're going to keep on watch. And uh, just to give a shout out there, Jordan, I'm pushing for you, man. Saying he's talking about iRacing. He's saying he's trying to get up towards that Formula One car with them stock profits. You might need an AMC, but hey, I won't blame you, Jordan. If it, if it happens, holler at me. I want to go ahead and drive a Formula One car with you. So uh, definitely, uh, I might have to get into some iRacing myself, Jordan. Done, I've done some before. So let's let's go ahead and move on. Let's get into our watch list, Chris. Some stocks that are moving. One that's on my radar that started to move up is 
QS. QS is definitely on my radar, guys. I'm watching this one. Multiple bottom approach. Starting to look good. Had kind of that indecision candle. Can we get up through this 33 and really start pushing back on QuantumScape? QuantumScape is a stock that had a massive run after that December. It kind of got all the way up there to 22nd of December. Getting all the way up there towards a high of 132. We're all the way back to $30, Chris. You know what that means? If we get all the way up towards the top here, you're talking about four times your money. I don't know about you. That 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 seems like an interesting interesting risk to return possibility there. What are you thinking here in QS? Uh, how's is it balancing out here? Yeah, with QS, I just wonder a little bit if you know the, they announced that SPAC deal at just the perfect time, right? This was back in December when, when SPACs were hot. They also were one of the first battery companies to really announce a big deal, and, and I really think that now you know shares have been hit, you know, as SPACs you know, fell. And also, as we've seen other battery companies, you know, hit the market, we have, you know, RSVA actually trading up a ton, you know, over the past couple of weeks, that's a competitor to QuantumScape. Um, you know, we have Microvast, THCB, uh, you know, doing a SPAC uh, vote next month. So so QS, I still think is one of the, the big names out there. They, they got some partnerships recently, um, you know, but I, I just got to wonder, you know, if, if they need another big deal or another big catalyst to, to really push, uh, you know, shares higher again. Um, I do think it looks attractive here uh, when you look at that chart. But, you know, lots of battery players out there and who's going to get, um, you, you know, the big piece of that pie if we want to stick with the, the pie analogy, right, of batteries for the electric vehicles. Uh, I got to mention here, supposedly that the pipe supposedly sold completely on that short report i'm not i don't have that uh confirmation there but i'll definitely look out for that but i i really think in the long run i mean you saw the partnerships that this company has you know what they're trying to accomplish if they accomplish it is definitely going to be a valuable company so let's go ahead and we'll focus we'll keep an eye on, on it and it's on the radar all right next one i want to talk about is PaySafe. i think this one could start moving but really uh, kind of has this gap up that we got from 11 to 12. So just be careful. We did come back down towards the 12 today, starting to push back up. We'll see if this one can continue moving. That's pay safe. Uh, another one that I'd mentioned here uh, up on the day. So starting to bounce back, not, not looking too bad after that bounce back, but what are you thinking, Chris? Uh, what do you think of SoFi here? Yeah, SoFi, it just that that twenty dollar level, Mitch. It just can't decide, you, you know, which side which side it wants to be on. And you know, I I just I, I like it under twenty, but as soon as it passes twenty, it just seems like you know it, it comes back down. And you know, the, this is one where I think long term it's great. And and talk about catalyst, right? They still have not announced whether they have that bank charter. That, that's big for them, right? You, you know, I've that heard big. I've heard Spencer talk about that before. You know, you know, one of our other co-hosts here, Spencer, he's long shares of SoFi, and that's been the big catalyst he's been calling out is that bank charter. The other thing I really like and that I think it's lost is you know their Galileo platform, or Gem, Gemini, I think it is Gemini or Galileo. Now I can't remember the name that powers other websites. It's almost like an Amazon Web Services. For, for financial companies, you know, and I, I think that's a huge subscription, you know, based revenue provider for them that's not priced in 
So maybe we need some analyst notes out on SoFi to really dig in with some price targets and, and the valuation there. But this thing under 20, I, I like, but I just, I just don't know how long it's going to take until we break out again. A little DD that's been on my attention is also the SoFi and the Samsung money thing. I don't know if you've seen that often, Chris, but they've been really advertising this card. Um, I have a Samsung, so I get like messages on it all the time about, hey, go get your free $50 with the Samsung money on, on SoFi. And so they, they literally are like, oh, if you fill up your money in this account, they'll give you $50. Uh, there's no account fees, no in-network ATM fees. Uh, definitely, you know, I mean, who does? there's a lot of people that have Samsung, right? Um, and so this way, two ways to pay. You got your digital, you got your actual card, kind of that convenience fee, peace of mind. You could just be using that. Uh, it has security up to $1.5 million in FDIC protection. And, and something that I, I definitely would point out because, I mean, it's something that I didn't even know about until I started really doing some more research on SoFi. So what are you thinking about that deal, Chris? Yeah, you know, that's a great deal. And then also, Mitch, you know, as I said, SoFi allowing, you know, its users to buy into those Chamath biotech specs early. You, you know, that's been something these brokers have really been trying to do. I know I get, you know, alerts from Webull, from Robinhood, you know, this company's IPO is available, you know, if you want to allocate for shares. Um, you know, SoFi, you know, obviously with their partnership with Chamath got the exclusive uh, on these four biotech SPACs. And then, you know, we also have the Robinhood IPO coming up, right? So when we get the valuation set for Robinhood, you know, you can start making the comparisons there uh, a little bit to SoFi. But SoFi just has so many other businesses, you know, as you showed with that card, um, you know, great partnerships. But that banking charter, I, I mean, I just... Uh, unless if it comes out that they, you know, got turned down for this banking charter, I just feel like, you know, we're kind of at a floor here and shares are really going to take off uh, on that announcement of the bank charter. So, you know, again, it's not guaranteed, but I just I really feel like it's coming. Definitely, definitely. Check it out, guys. I mean, SoFi really does have a lot of products. Um, I mean, just look at this sheet. <laughs> that that tells you enough, guys. And if you go to their homepage, you'll be able to see a lot more uh, personal loans, student loans, money, home loans, auto loans, credit score, insurance. I mean, there's so many things that these guys do. It's not like it's just one area. And this is why we got to definitely know the stories, because if you don't know the stories, then it's kind of hard to find these stocks before they rip out. So definitely tell us what you guys think on SoFi. Just wanted to do a little bit more of a deep dive. We, we didn't even know we were going to get into that, but we, we touched it. So might as well go ahead and give you guys a little bit more information there. Glad you guys enjoyed that. What's up, Chris? Anything Mitch, else you want to point out? Yeah, someone asking about desktop metal in the chat, DM. DM. I mean, we've, we've talked about this one a lot. And you look at that chart, and I mean, we're at 1190. I, you know, this is one I owned um, you know, before, and I, I keep looking to, to get back in, um, you know, for the IRA, for the long term, right? Because I just think it, it's going to be a leader in the 3D printing market. It's got yep. so many different verticals, right? They're, they're printing wood, they're printing dental products, they're printing metal, they're, they're printing everything. And, and they're going to get so many customers from all these different verticals. You, you know, this one, I just, I think looks more and more attractive, um, you know, down at these levels. What do you think, Mitch, of that chart? I know you're uh, you're a fan of desktop metal here. What what do you think needs to happen here? 
So a lot of times, you guys know how I am. I look for a lot of times a three-month sideways trend to get out of. Um, and so one of the things is we got down towards these levels, right? And now we're starting to really kind of start making more of a monthly support. And so this is the one month chart really far back, guys. What I use this for is to tell me, hey, are we getting towards that sideways period? Are we getting another month of sideways? That's what I kind of look for. I think this stock needs a little bit more sideways action before it really starts breaking out through 14. We did see a lot of volume pile in here when it broke down here on this day this uh, 25th of June, I actually got out of it on that down move. Kind of happy I didn't get stuck holding the bag, but uh, that's how it is. I set my limit. I, I was in this one at 13.05, wanted to get it through 14. And when it broke down through the 1280s, I had my stop out, was able to stop out on this and not hold it down towards the 1190s. And so what my idea is, let it come up strong through that look again, and then we'll start seeing if this one can really come moving. The weekly has a couple of weeks sideways, so we just need a couple more, a couple more sideways weeks, and I think we're going to start seeing a turnaround in trend in this one. One of the things that I would point out is, right, what spiked it, right? The volume, right? That volume spike here. Now, look how all that volume is starting to build here. There's a reason why that volume is starting to build here. They're building up positions. I think this is a bigger trader, probably an institutional trader trying to build a position. And that might have been why it got knocked down there. It could have been a big order size that got filled and then they it, it actually knocked the stock back down because it just took too much sizing there and none of the volume came in after that order. So it's probably maybe one big order that knocked it down and now we'll see if it gets scooped up. A lot of volume starting to get scooped here and that's what I'd point out for sure. Look at this. Look at these last three weeks. 35 million shares traded. 27 million shares traded and then 43 million shares traded when on average this one trades on weekly 16 million to about maximum i would say about 20 million so definitely relative volume getting better but it needs to build and build until it gets that turnaround look mitch let's do let's do muds for for the last one today um you know I, I know this is one this is one we've been talking about you know throughout the week you know ever since they announced the deal this one getting a nice move today. Um, you know, Mitch has been calling out that, you know, if Tops announces, you know, that next pack series, we've got the MLB All-Star game coming up. You know, there's a couple catalysts here, um, you know, for Tops. And, and this is one where I, I really think we could start to see it move higher. Um, you know, but as Mitch said, volume, you know, it, it looks like volume, you know, really needs to pick up there. But I, I'm a big fan of MUDs. Um, this is another one. I, I used to own some call options on this. Um, but I've been looking to get back into this one as well. What what do you think, Mitch, of uh, MUDs here? Oh, maybe I lost Mitch. It, it looks like I lost Mitch. So M-U-D-S, yeah, MUDs. I mean, uh, with tops. Oh, he's back. He's back. You scared me. I was like, I gotta, I gotta wrap the show now. I lost and- him. I lost him. No, no, no. I was, I was actually trying to pull up our 
uh, the the 10Q here. One of the things that I need to look into, guys, is exactly how much money they made off of that commission, right? We talked about that 6%. I've been looking at it into the the earnings sheet. I'm going to I'm gonna pull it for you guys. Tomorrow, I'll definitely have it for you. Um, I just need to look through it so I can find it and, and definitely pull that up. I think that's really the focus here because I think that was what my focus was. It's how much money are they making there in the transactions of these NFTs? Because if they can just make make money on the transactions, the exchanges, making them that fee. I think you continue to see what reoccurring revenue show up on the bottom line. And that's what I want to continue to see. I want to see how much of that money they continue flowing and cycling through and just making money based off of transactions that are going on between their tops cards. So this is not even to base off of kind of selling those packs. We're just talking about the exchange itself. And if that can happen, I definitely like the business. Mitch, I saw that they have a Tops Finest Champions League uh, boxes coming out, I think, later this week. Mm. Uh, uh, imagine if they can lock down a deal, you know, with UEFA here and, and maybe do some NFTs of those soccer cards. Uh, I mean, let, let's get that going, Tops. If you're out there and you're listening, we, we've got MLB NFTs, but let's get some soccer NFTs of, of those Champions League cards. I, I think there'd be a huge market there. So, I think that's going to do it. It's 12.02, Mitch. Tomorrow on the show, we've got SEAH, Sports Entertainment Acquisition, taking, you know, Supergroup. That's another sports betting company. They'll be on the show tomorrow. Super excited for that interview. Stay tuned. Power Hour coming up next. Um, and join us on SPACs Attack tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Now, the, um, going through that filing, the last thing I'd give you guys is in their filing, MUDS did state, we do not believe we will need to raise additional funds in order to meet expenditures required for operating the business. Just to give you guys an in-depth uh, look, I'm, I'm going through that. I'm going to be doing a little bit more DD into that 10Q, see what I can find that really starts giving us that bullish outlook. But like always, guys, stay with SPACs Attack. Give us a thumbs up if you guys thought you had a great show today and enjoyed the interview. Let us know in the comments below if you got a SPAC that we haven't gotten to that you want to see go ahead and get an interview done. Definitely let us know in the comments after. And if you guys have a big winner in SPACs, want to come on SPACs Attack to tell a story, let us know in the comments. I know Chris and I would love to hear some of these stories of you guys making great wealth on SPACs. So definitely smash the like. We'll see you guys next time on the SPACs Attack. Up next, you got the Power Hour. Definitely stay tuned, guys. I got another interview. The Safe CEO will be on there. So definitely stay tuned, guys. We'll see you next time on the SPACs. But about Attack. Ah!